When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to March, Spartan Nation. It's the best time of year if you're a college basketball fan, and particularly if you're a Michigan State basketball fan. Big Ten tournament on deck in Chicago. Will the Spartans make one of their patented runs to the final? We will find out soon enough. Hello, friends. Brandon Champion and Kyle Austin with you on Wednesday, Izzo 8th, 2023. This is episode 104 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast, and I am fired up. Uh, how's it going, Kyle? Do you have those March Madness vibes cooking yet? I definitely do. I think it'll be even more so when when you get to Chicago and you kind of, you know, you, you see everything, you see the whole United Center. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I associate Chicago with, uh, with the Big Ten tournament more than any other city for some reason. You know, I know Indianapolis hosts just as often, but something about Chicago, maybe because Michigan State has done so well there. Um, when it's been there but like that once you get there you see all the Big Ten fans around Chicago in the United Center like that that's really kind of when it hits for me yeah and that's something as I mentioned the other day their success in Chicago maybe we can touch on that in a sec here I've never been to the Big Ten tournament and it's one of the one of my big sins that I'd feel as a college sports fan and I'm realizing now that I may have missed my window because my daughter's birthday is March 11th And uh, I'm not sure I'm ever going unless she gets old enough and, you know, becomes a college basketball fan and wants to go. uh, I feel like this birthday is going to get away, get in the way of my dream to attend the tournament for the rest of her life, you know. You'll have to take her. And it, it's funny, Israel was talking about this the other day, and he actually made a pretty good point. He was saying about how, like, if you want to do, like, a reunion with college friends, like, Big Ten Tournament is the way to go because you know well in advance which city it's going to be in. It's not like the NCAA tournament where you find out three days ahead of time. You're playing every day, you know, so you're not sitting around, you know, if your team's winning, you know, you're going to game, game, game. Um, obviously, Chicago is an awesome city to hang out in, even if um, uh, your team goes out early or something like that. So, yeah, I, the more I thought about it, it's like, yeah, you know, if I if I was um, doing something like that, I would definitely do Chicago Big Ten tournament to get the old pals together. Yeah. Plus you got, you know, games where you can just be a neutral and just kind of right. hang out and, you know, do whatever you want. Uh, hang with the fellows, as we say. I had to throw a hello friends in there off the top because I, this I is Jim Nance, Jim Nance last uh, March Madness, you know, so uh, uh, last final four. So that'll be, I had to throw it in there as a little nod to him. I just wrote a story about uh, the broadcast team. So it was mm-hmm. top of mind. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Obviously this is the best time of year for college basketball. Wall to wall. We got games starting in a couple hours here. We had games going on well past mid night last night Kyle I was I was staying up watching Montana State and Weber State in double overtime uh it was pushing 1 30 in the morning but I was there watching uh but we've got games all over the place 
Michigan State, obviously not going to be in action until Friday in Chicago, um, but thought we'd just take sort of a holistic look at the Big Ten tournament and kind of how they got there, how the season went. Uh, Kyle, Michigan State ended uh, the final week of the season with two wins over Nebraska uh, in Ohio State. Um, really, the three-point shot is what's coming along. I mean, that first half against Nebraska, I don't think we need to get in these games too much, but th- that first half against Nebraska really – really poor, didn't seem to have the energy, looked like an Iowa hangover. Second half just shot the lights out with 12 threes or something like that in the second half. And then pretty much took care of business against Ohio State, allowed the Buckeyes to linger around a little bit, but uh, uh, made their free throws down the stretch. So Michigan State on a two-game win streak, and that sort of set up what what happened on Sunday. Uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, the only two teams who weren't playing. So Michigan State needed some help to sort of inch up the standings uh, and get this double buy, which ended up happening. I mean, it was it was crazy just tracking the games on Sunday, Kyle, how uh, how everything seemed to break in the Spartans favor. Yeah, I mean, and it really started before Sunday. I mean, like you look back to last week, like Rutgers losing at uh, Minnesota. Uh, pretty shocking like that helped them all kind of got Rutgers out of the way I know um, some Michigan <laughs> State fans enjoyed the karma aspect of that of that one uh, I think you did too I saw your tweet I saw I, I, I got I got a kick out of it let's put it that way um, <laughs> but yeah they needed they needed like basically three out of four games to go their way on Sunday um, like Purdue winning at home that was an easier one but um, they got Penn State over Maryland um on a buzzer beater put back which was huge for them um not shocking that Maryland would lose on the road can't say I'm going to pick them very far in the postseason unless they schedule them to play in College Park um (laughs) but then to me the big one was Nebraska going into Carver Hawkeye and uh beating Iowa on its senior day like that was the one that like I did not think they were going to get and that was the one I thought was going to prevent them from getting the double by so um Michigan State I think owes the Fred Hoiberg clan um Thank you. Uh, and they, they didn't get the last one because Northwestern run one at Rutgers, but then they end up with a four, but the double buy is what they wanted. They got it. And I think they were very, very pleased to see that happen. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty much like you couldn't have drawn it up better for Michigan. I guess the only thing would have been maybe, you know, Rutgers beats North Northwestern and then they get put on that three line. Cause I do think the bottom half of the big 10 bracket at least on paper, looks a little more manageable than the top. So Michigan Mm -hmm. State is going to have, I think, a harder road if they are going to make a run. But this team is playing well enough now where we know they can beat anyone. And I would put Purdue even in that conversation because uh, Purdue, what are they? They're four and four over their last eight. They start, they're starting to some chinks in the armor. Maybe teams are starting to figure out how to play them. Um, You know, I was watching the Illinois Purdue game on, on Sunday and they were dropping four dudes on Evie. Like they didn't even care. They were just putting <laughs> arms on there. They were just, and, and it did affect him. They were pushing him out away from the basket. I mean, having Dane Danger helps with that, but um, you know, we'll see if Michigan state does end up, you know, matching up with Purdue, if they have to sort of change their strategy or figure out a way to stop Zach Eady because he ab- absolutely ate them alive in their two matchups. But um, let's talk about Michigan state before we look at the bracket. They seem to be playing pretty good ball right now, Kyle. I mean, they're, they're shooting the lights out. They've uh, gotten some good contributions from Mati Sissoko lately. Malik Hall continues to look more and more like himself. And Jade Nakins has turned into, you know, a a full-blown Big Ten. uh, I don't know if he's a star yet, but he is clearly one of the top ascending players in the league. Um, So, I mean, Michigan State, their patent is get better all year, play your best in March. You know, I don't know if this team has hit its ceiling in terms of how it can play, but they certainly seem to be playing some of their best basketball down the stretch here. 
I, I struggle to think of like a three, four game stretch where Michigan State has shot the ball as well as it has the last three, four games. Because it, it's just been remarkable. Like it's uh, like 56 or 57%, I think they're at. Um, it, it feels like when Hauser, Tyson Walker, or Jaden Akins is open, it feels like it's going in like 75% of the time. You know, <laughs> yeah. if, if you if you get Hauser on that um, that fast break trailing three, you know, where where AJ pushes it and throws back to him, like that just feels automatic at this point. So it's they're shooting with a lot of confidence. Um, I, I think AJ Hogarth is playing better, finding that um balance between you know kind of pushing for his own shot and and finding other guys i think he's really running running the offense really well cutting down his turnovers um i do wonder just because you know it can't all be rosy like they're going to come back down to earth at some point like that's natural nobody no team uh sustains that level of shooting for an extended period of time so are they going to be able to defend and rebound well enough to pull out a win when their their shots aren't falling sometime in the next couple of weeks? And I think that's Tommy's biggest concern. Um, I think they have shown that they can be a good defensive and rebounding team. So I think that's that's the good news. But they, they haven't really done it in the last couple of weeks, uh, which is maybe just because the shots are falling. They haven't really had to defend. They've been able to shoot their way out of their, their problems, but that's not going to work um, every game in the postseason. So that, that's my biggest question. Um, can they sustain it when the shots aren't falling? But for now, the shots are falling and, and they're feeling pretty good about themselves. Yep. Over 40% as a team. I mean, from three, that's yeah. third in the country. I mean, that's, I don't know if they, we're going to say they're going to go completely cold, but we did see a game versus Illinois this year where they didn't even make a three. So if teams sort of, scheme against that uh try and push them off the three-point line like nebraska did really well in that first half last week uh you know that's probably going to be the way to get to the spartans try and you know hit them down low but aj hogard 14 assists first uh versus nebraska uh like you said shots are falling even malik hall's shot I, that seemed to be the thing that he was kind of struggling with uh at least when he was coming back he seemed a little more hesitant to shoot threes and uh you know maybe was trying to feel things out but uh, against Ohio State in particular, he was not shy at, at shooting that three ball, and he was open, and he made a few of them. And we know he can shoot the three at a at a capable clip. I don't know if that's where he should be all the time, but just another weapon from the outside. It is bizarre, Kyle, to see a Michigan State team relying on the three so much. I mean, they still don't shoot that many. They've been shooting more lately. I think they probably need to keep shooting more instead of these long twos um, with, that they were doing sort of in the middle portion of the section or in January when they – they really, you know, lost quite a few games. You might as well be shooting threes, especially when you can do it at this clip. Um, yeah, it's it's a sort of live by the three, die by the three situation, which is not usually something we associate with Michigan State. They're, uh, it's kind of different. So it's kind of awkward. It feels weird to sort of be in that sort of situation uh, heading into March. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that's kind of what this personnel dictates. You know, as we talked about all year, they just, they don't have a low poke presence. They're not going to have one suddenly appear here. Um, so they're going to be relying on the three. And I, and I know the coaching staff has been, you know, their antidote, I guess, for the three is getting to the foul line. And on the nights that it's not foul, falling, they want guys to be able to put their head down, get to the foul line um, and, and get their points that way. Uh, it hasn't really happened that much. Uh, I know they feel like they're capable of doing more guys like Tyson Walker and Jaden Akins and AJ Hogard. Um, I think they feel like should be able to get to the foul line more um, when they don't have a good shooting night. Uh, but so far that hasn't, that hasn't really happened, but you know, they're going to, 
they'll keep trying to shoot it while they can. And and Aikens, to, to me, he's I think he might be the biggest key is to to why this is changing because he he's just another scoring threat out there. And and he frankly wasn't um a primary scoring threat through November, December, January, and early February, through no fault of his own. I mean, he missed a lot of time. He was playing not at full strength for a long time, but I, I think him being out there, being able to hit shots, being able to make things happen, I think has made things easier for some other guys, um, for easier for Joey Hauser, easier for Tyson Walker. It's given this offense a little bit more balance and, and unlocked a few more things for them, I think. I agree. It's, it, offensively, Michigan State has, has really turned a corner here in this last month. I mean, and, and that that shows in the amount of points that they're scoring. Uh, you know, they, I think they can be capable of, of being a pretty solid defensive team. They've shown that through the year. And I thought against Ohio State, they, they did okay. Um, Tom Izzo, I know, was imperative after the – we all saw the clip of him in, at the Nebraska game. You know, would somebody please guard somebody? <laughs> and, uh, he said, we're going to play Spartan defense today, you know, against Ohio State. And so it was, uh, you know, I think – defensively I don't worry as much rebounding is the is the big big issue here and you mentioned mm-hmm. that earlier so if you look at the Big Ten draw uh, Michigan State's in there as the four seed they're in that top half with Purdue Michigan Iowa Wisconsin Ohio State Wisconsin Ohio State will play later today uh, that winner will play Iowa and then the winner of that game gets Michigan State so I guess we'll look at Ohio State Wisconsin Iowa right now uh, those are three teams that Michigan State has beaten this year so I guess you look at that as a positive to start <laughs> Yeah, you do. Um, you know, you beat Ohio State twice. I know um, is there a little bit worried about having Wisconsin there just because they played them once and it was a very long time ago. Um, so it, it's a team that you essentially have to completely prepare for again. Um, they were missing which, Wall again, weren't they? Yeah, you know, like they played them without Wall. So you basically be doing all your prep. Ohio State, you played twice recently. Ohio, Iowa, you played twice pretty recently. So I think they, there'd be a little bit more uh, familiarity with those two um I, you know Ohio State or Wisconsin I think they you know Michigan State matches up pretty well against both of them um Iowa uh you know I we talked about this the other day some of the writers felt like the way that the game at Iowa finished for Michigan State like that would be a, a bunch of motivation for Michigan State like we're not going to lose to these guys after what happened at Carver Hawkeye a couple weeks ago and, and maybe that would be the case um, I, I think Iowa's playing pretty well right now. I know they kind of laid an egg on their senior day, but but before that, I, I felt like they were one of the hotter teams in the Big Ten. They've been they've had their success in this tournament uh, the last couple of years. I think it's a team that knows how to win it. So I, I guess I'd be most scared of Iowa, which isn't much of a stretch. They're the five. The other two are the twelve and the thirteen. But um, I think Iowa can can give Michigan State uh, a pretty good game. But what I will say about Michigan State is I I think this. This team is a lot more motivated going into this tournament than some recent Michigan State teams because this came up a couple of times in the last week, uh, both from Tom Izzo and from players. Pretty much everybody on this team does not have like a banner or a trophy or a ring uh, to their name. Uh, Malik Hall was a freshman on the 2020 Big Ten regular season title team. Joey Howard was on that team, but he didn't play. So he does, he told us yesterday he doesn't really count that um, as one of his own. Um, and everybody else um, has never been part of a championship, you know, regular season tournament, final four. Um, so I think they're really itching to have something they call their own. I mean, they play in the Breslin Center every day. They can look up, they can see all the banners and, you know, it's rare for three, four years to go by without having something to hang up there, whether it's a Final Four banner, Big Ten regular season, Big Ten tournament. So 
this group does not want to be, especially the the upper classmen on this team, they don't want to be part of a group that didn't hang anything and didn't have anything to ca- call as their own. So I, I think compared to some other Michigan State teams that had multiple Big Ten titles to their name, I mean, I think some of those Cassius Winston teams or Denzel Valentine teams might come into this tournament kind of with a little bit more of a shoulder shrug um, and maybe looking a little bit more forward to what's next. Um, I don't think that's the case for this team. I think this team is very motivated to win something. Um, and I think they see this as a pretty good opportunity, given how wide open the league seems right now to, to be able to win a championship. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've we've seen it in the past where, you know, when Michigan State, you know, those Cassius teams, when they pretty much were like a one or two seed and they pretty much already had it wrapped up before the tournament. And mm-hmm. I remember having conversations, you know, with fans or whoever, like you know, how much emphasis should you put on the, on the tournaments? You know, I heard Kelvin Sampson, uh, the Houston coach talking about this other day because Houston's likely a one seed and playing in this in their uh, American tournament doesn't really help them. It can only hurt them if they get upset. So, right. you know, they're like, uh, and you want to stay healthy. Obviously we've seen injuries happen in the tournament in the, in the past that has hurt Michigan state for the big tournament. And, you know, in the past, I guess what I'm saying is we've questioned how valuable the big 10 tournament actually is for the team's overall outlook on the season. I think you're right. This year, this team needs to to get the momentum going. They need to get sort of that confidence rolling, keep the shots falling, and sort of just uh, keep things going. And then this isn't a one or a two seed. You know, right now we see Michigan State mostly on the seven line. You got some six lines. Um, I guess the question is, how far up the seed list could Michigan State get? Yeah, I was actually looking at that right before we started recording. Um, Bracket Matrix, uh, if you're familiar, kind of puts together all the projections, all 120 or something of them from across the internet. And uh, about 75% of them right now have them as a seven. And most of the other quarter of them have them as a six. So I I guess you would view them as like a higher seven seed right now. And um, I Maybe you get to that final. I, I think if you beat Purdue, you're probably a pretty solid six. Um, if you get to um, if you get to Sunday. Now, listen, every coach in the Big Ten will make the case to you that what you do on Sunday in the Big Ten tournament does not matter. We talked about yeah. this before, right? Yeah. So, like, I'd love to sit here and say, like, hey, you have a good run, you win the thing, you'll get you up to a five. I think history would tell you that. Um, basically it's what you do through Saturday, um, in the big 10 tournament that counts. And maybe you make it to Sunday and you, you get, uh, in Indiana and you beat them really well and you look great. Um, I'm not sure it's actually going to help you. So I'm not sure I see them going higher than a six or better than a six. And I'm in order to say higher or lower when it comes to seeds, but better. I don't either. That's (laughs) always confusing. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I think, I think people know what I mean when I say better than a six, um, unless, I mean, None of this happens in a vacuum, right? I mean, if everybody above them gets knocked off, maybe that opens the door. But I think we're looking at a seven or a six uh, right now for them. I would say five is probably the absolute highest they could ever get. I mean, maybe they win the thing and something happens elsewhere and some team gets upset. Maybe they get on that last five line. But then they'll be in the dreaded 5-12 matchup, which everybody loves to uh, – pick the upsets because it happens. So it's looking like Michigan state is going to in all likelihood face a top eight team in the second round. And that's kind of where they've been on track all year. I mean, that can look, that can look different. Uh, You know, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but you know, if you, if you're, we can do that. Yeah. yeah, People are thinking about. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's fair, but like, you know, if you're, if your two seed in your region is Kansas state, that's a little different than looking at, you know, Baylor. You know, or something. That's like what that. I was thinking. No, I saw them. I think it was CBS had them at, with UCLA 
in a pod as the two seed. And it's like, oh, that's probably about as tough as they could get right now. Because to yeah. me, UCLA is kind of fringe one seed. Um, but then, yeah, I've seen him with Kansas State, too. I've seen him with Marquette. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I think you might feel a little bit better about that. So, yeah. um, I mean, it's it, it comes down to where you are and then just just who you get who you get matched up with. It'll be Kansas and Duke, Kyle. What are we? What, what are we? Let's not <laughs> it, it's an NCAA bylaw, five twenty six points C. Yeah, that's uh, that's if they find a way to give them Kansas. Oof. <laughs> it's just it's unavoidable man kansas is going to be a one though and i think they're going to be off that eight nine line so no they'll, really- they'll give them they'll give them ucla and say well we just thought it'd be a good tv matchup to have them play yep, exactly they, they did that before so oh they do it all the time <laughs> it's it's ridiculous uh it was no coincidence that we got a coach k Izzo matchup in the second no. round last year trust me uh, but like I said, we got a whole Big Ten tournament here to get through first. Uh, Michigan State, I think, you know, I think I saw that they are the the third highest odds to win it. I mean, they're a four mm-hmm. seed. It shouldn't be that weird. But this conference, you know, the seed list, I'm not looking as much at seeds. I'm looking more at matchups. I mean, this is a tournament where Northwestern could have been the two seed or the nine seed, depending <laughs> on one game, Kyle. Like, have you ever seen anything like that? So it's just like, I, I don't know if the seeds matter so much because we know in this league, Anyone can beat every anyone, and you really got to bring it every night in this tournament. No, no one, no one's picking Northwestern, which makes me think they're probably going to win it. Then, um, I I guess I should go on the record. Like, I guess I like Indiana. Um, Oh, oh, is that is that is that laughable now? I I think they're playing pretty. I think they've been playing pretty well. Like how they played against Purdue uh, a couple games in the regular season. I I agree. I think the bottom half of that bracket's a little bit easier. Um, not sure I like Maryland that much, given how they played away from home. Um, Illinois scares me a little bit, but um, I think they probably got the easier path uh, to Sunday um, than, than on the top half of the bracket. And, and then we'll see. Who do you like? Indiana's probably the smart bet, considering the path you just mentioned. I do think Illinois, as, as a seven seed, can make some noise. I agree. I think Michigan State could win this. I really do. I mean, I don't know if they can put... I mean, maybe it's that's a little homerish. I picked him in my pool, but you know, that's just because I'm being a homer. But like, it's not like Michigan State hasn't competed with the teams that are, you know, they've beaten everyone but Purdue. That's it's it's really is Purdue, I think that that could stop them here. And uh, it is just such a bad matchup for their personnel. That's that's where I'm at with them. And like, I, I know they're playing well, and I know they came close to beating Purdue at home, and that Purdue has struggled a little bit more as of late, but. Yeah, it's still a bad matchup. Like I can't feel good about them going into a matchup where the possible national player of the year dropped 40 on them the last time and won, won easily going away. I mm-hmm. I agree they'll probably have a, a different and better game plan against them, um, and, and I wouldn't rule out them winning, but I, I think that's having Purdue on your half of the bracket um, is, a, is a tough one. That said, the other thing you always have to think about with these tournaments is we're talking about motivation. Well, who has something to play for as far as the NCAA tournament? Um, Michigan and, and Rutgers. <laughs> Michigan and Rutgers and the 8-9. Like, I think both of them need two wins. I think both of them need to beat Purdue to get in, especially Michigan. Maybe Rutgers could sneak in without it. But um, if Michigan wins that Thursday game going into Friday, Purdue is in that boat that you were talking about with Houston, like Michigan State team to the past. Like, I don't know how motivated Purdue is going to be for this. And I think Michigan or Rutgers would be extremely motivated. So. Purdue's a bad matchup, but maybe Michigan State doesn't even doesn't even have to face them. So that that's how these things go, as you know. 
That would be uh, fortunate for the Spartans, I think. I, so I think Indiana probably is the best bet. Um, if you're looking for, you know, if you're looking at the odds, I think Michigan State's odds are solid, and I think Illinois has good odds if you're looking for something a little bit further further down, just from the betting side of things. But we don't really talk betting too much on this pod. But, you know, it is legal in this state now, Kyle. So uh, maybe we should talk about it a little bit more. But it's going to be fun. March, uh, Chicago, uh, the Big Ten tournament. I mean, it, it really gets underway today, Kyle, with all these uh, power conferences tipping off their first rounds. Tomorrow you'll get some quarterfinals. Uh, you got four ACC games that are sort of intriguing today. So the bubbles are bursting. Uh, bids are being secured all over the place. Um, and it's a fun time of year, that's for sure. So uh, we'll be all over March uh, as we move forward here, and Kyle will be in Chicago to cover everything. So uh, real quick football news. Matt obviously is not here. He's off this week, Um, but we did get some notable football news here, Kyle, with Brandon Jordan, Michigan State's pass rush specialist, uh, taking off from Michigan State. He's been hired by the Seattle Seahawks. I guess I was a little bit surprised by the timing of this, Kyle, but I, I wasn't surprised that Brandon Jordan left for the NFL. I mean, he's got hundreds of clients in the NFL. He seems more suited to be working with more advanced guys than actually like developing guys in a college campus. Um, so it, it seemed like a logical move for him and one that I expected to happen eventually. Um, but it, it, this could hurt in recruiting more than anything, I think. So so the only thing that surprised me is, yes, obviously he is very good at skill development and very good at training NFL guys, but like, can he still do his like NFL training business while he's working for a team? Like you have to think the Seahawks don't want him training every other defensive lineman in the league to to play against them. Right. So did he, you know, did like, did he work on an agreement where he can still do that? You know, did the compensation work out to where they made up for it? Um, I don't know, but to me, that was kind of one of the reasons why college made sense for him because that was encouraged when he was in Michigan State. They wanted him doing that because, as you said, it helps their recruiting. But obviously, he made it work. Um, you know, it, it was an outside the box hire, uh, I thought, by Mel Tucker, and it it worked out well for them, and it almost kind of worked out too well, right? Because um, I think people got wind of um, uh, of his, what he was able to do, and and he was able to move up. So I'm. I'm sure they would have liked to keep him for longer, but um, you know, it worked out well while they had him and now they've they've got an opening to to get someone else on staff. Yeah. And I mean, recruiting wise, I mean, he was the guy. I mean, I don't think a guy like By Joe from Oklahoma or Andrew DePape from from Iowa are looking at Michigan State without Brandon Jordan there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're already in the fold, obviously. Uh, we'll see what happens, you know, moving forward in the future here. Michigan State has been attracting some really good uh, interior defensive linemen, at least a visit. Uh, David Stone being notable among them in the 24 class, who seems to be considering him. But, uh, you know, he's a five-star who's visiting every blue-chip program in the country, and losing Brandon Jordan is obviously not going to help in Michigan State's pursuit of that. But now we've got another staff opening. It'll be interesting to see what Mel Tucker does. Uh, they did hire, uh, what was it, Deron Reynolds from Stanford to coach the D-line. So there is someone in there already working with those guys. But, uh, you know, Matt, well, I think we'll get Matt's opinion on this and he can touch on this when he gets back and we do our next pod because spring practice is going to be starting up here. But uh, it's a notable loss for Michigan State. It's not good news for the Spartans, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, he's looking to get to the NFL. It made sense. Um, and it, it was a good hire by Mel Tucker. And uh, I wouldn't put it past him to do something else outside the box here in the future uh, when it comes to his coaching staff. And then a little other unfortunate piece of news, if you're a Michigan State fan, I guess. Uh, four-star wide receiver Nick Marsh, he's really an elite player. River Rouge guy, uh, ranked in the top 100 nationally. 
uh, uh, 6'3", 195, great frame, good ball skills. Uh, early commit to Michigan State as an in-state kid, uh, but he announced yesterday that he is going to be reopening his commitment. Um, both him and his mom went on to Twitter and said that, you know, they're hopeful that Michigan State will still be the place for him. Uh, just maybe made the pledge a little bit too early. Um, but this is recruiting in 2023, Kyle. Like, until they sign on the dotted line, they are not on your team. Yeah. And, you know, who, who knows how much actually changed? You know, I, I do think if you're Michigan State, it is pretty hopeful to have him be pretty adamant in his statement that he's still very much considering Michigan State. And to have it, I mean, if, if you get a chance to read his mom's statement, I'm sure you can find it on Twitter. She I mean, she's like, I want my son at Michigan, at Michigan yeah. State. It's pretty rare to have a parent come out publicly um, with a like Twitter statement and say that. So I think you you feel pretty good about that if you're Michigan State. You know, I, you know, a lot of these kids like to go through the process and you know make these visits and and kind of be courted. So um, I, I was surprised that a kid, I, you know, I you know I don't follow football recruiting like you and Matt do, but uh, my two senses, I, I was surprised to see a kid of that caliber shut down his recruitment and commit that early. Um, so maybe, maybe he had second thoughts about that, but I, I'm not sure a whole lot changed as you, as you mentioned, a, a commitment is, you know, that early in the process maybe doesn't have a ton of value, but Michigan State's still in it and, and wouldn't surprise me, uh, if they end up with him at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, he, co- he committed in July of 22 as a yeah. 24. I mean, that's again, clearly his, his family was putting some pressure on him to go to Michigan state. He indicated Michigan state's still very much in the mix here. So uh, nothing to panic about people. Like you gotta, just a PSA, you gotta stop panicking about recruiting. It's, this is the way of it in 2023 schools are going to swoop in. You've got NIL factors here. You've got coaches coming and going. You've got other players coming and going. The situation is constantly changing. So until they are signed in your class, you're best off just assuming that they're not on your team because it's just, if you get yourself all worked up about every commit, commit decommitting, Oh, the sky is falling. Something's wrong with the program. Mel's a jerk. Like if you buy into all these rumors, you're just going to drive yourself crazy. So just a little PSA there. Just, just relax, just relax and <laughs> let the process play out. Uh, that's, that's all that needs to happen here. No Michigan state's football program is not folding. They're not turning into Rutgers, like just relax. Okay. Like this is recruiting. And when you're going after a higher caliber player, like Michigan State is now, this stuff is going to happen. So just relax. Deep breaths. It's March. Anyway, focus on basketball. Like, come good, on. Here we go. Good good, good monologue. I, I, enjoyed I, that. I just can't handle it. <laughs> I see freaking out. The sky is falling. The program's dead. I just can't do it, dude. I cannot handle it. It's too much. Like, so so this reminded me one more basketball thing I wanted to uh, to bring up just to just to um, get the do the news, I guess. Joey Howser basically confirmed to us that he's done after this year. I think most people probably assume that he could have technically had one more year since he's only played four. But uh, turning 24 this year, I asked him yesterday after practice and he said, never say never, but uh, planning on moving on. And and a guy who sits down and has shot it the way he has, I think, has a shot at a pro career. So, so good for him. And then... Um, Malik Hall and Tyson Walker both said before and after senior day that they are undecided on the COVID fifth years. So we will, we will wait to see until after the season, if those two are back, but obviously, uh, whenever, after this season ends, that, that will be, uh, that will be the biggest news we'll be, we'll be waiting on. You think there's legitimate possibility both come back? I do. Yeah. I, and, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just say that. I, I think, I think Malik Hall did not have the year he wanted to, mostly because of injury, and um, I don't think his professional stock is where he hoped it would be, and I think he would hope to do something like what Joey did, 
frankly, and come back and have a, a much stronger senior year and be in a better spot. And Tyson has had, on the other hand, has had a very good year, um, increased his numbers quite a bit, but um, he's 6'1". Size. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, that's just, that's just putting a ceiling on his, um, on, you know, you're not going to see him in, a, in an NBA draft board. It's putting a ceiling on his NBA draft stock. So he's a guy you mentioned in IL earlier, you know, if, if he gets a good situation to come back and that looks more appealing than, than whatever potential pro route would look. Um, I, I think that the, the balance could be in Michigan state's favor in that situation, but they're all personal decisions. Sometimes guys are ready to move on. Um, nothing would shock me, but um, both of them, to me, have legitimate reasons for that picture. And now we're getting really ahead of ourselves. But if you brought back Malik Akins, Hogard, uh, uh, and uh, who am I missing here? Tyson Walker, along with that freshman class. I mean, yeah. whoo, that's mm-hmm. whoo, that's like top ten preseason uh, style uh, right there. So <laughs> things could be looking up here, but we'll see. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We've got this season to take care of first. Uh, Michigan State, what two thirty about? On Friday uh, would be when the game starts. They're about, they're about, yes. Depends on the first game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see who the opponent is. But uh, it will be pretty much all day games, actually, for Michigan State uh, going through here. So uh, if they do go through. And getting that double bye, you only got to win three games. It just seems a lot less daunting than having to go through four games like they would have last year when they made the run to the semis. So mm-hmm. uh, all the games on BTN until the semifinals and finals, they're on CBS. Uh, as we mentioned, it's the last championship before Selection Sunday. So Debate how relevant it is, but Michigan State could potentially theoretically improve their seating here with a couple big wins in Chicago. Kyle will be there covering it all, and I'll obviously be watching here from uh, Michigan. Um, so that'll do it, I think, for today's episode of M Live Spartan Confidential. Uh, it is March. Get fired up, people. We got games wall to wall today, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we'll get the bracket and the preparations will begin for next week. We'll see where Michigan State ends up for their 25th straight NCAA tournament, which is just remarkable achievement, Kyle. I mean, honestly, 25 in a row. Let's go. That's something. So. Yeah, yeah, something that I hope hope fans appreciate because you know if this is a down year, down stretch, we'll go out on this. So you down year, down stretch, you're, you're living pretty well. So for Kyle Austin and Brandon Champion, thank you once again for listening to Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Enjoy March. We'll talk to you next time. And go Green.